appreciate the selections of these songs. We will be focusing on this idea of walking with the King this morning. Walking with the King. Speaking of song selections, there was this preacher who was going on and on in his uh, speaking. He was... He was speaking loud and then he was whispering and then he was pounding on, on the podium and he was speaking some more, both shouting and whispering and going on and on. And the audience was exasperated and getting very weary. And finally he comes to the end and he looks to one of the brothers and he says, well, what song shall we sing? And the brother said, revive us again. Another brother went to the preacher and he said, um, he said, you're the best at what you do. You can stand the stillest, speak the longest, and say the least of any man I've ever heard. We'll focus uh, this morning on our walk with the king. And I want to focus with you on our daily walk with the king. Our daily walk with the King. Before we get to our various points, I want us to make sure we're all on the same page. We are assuming that we all understand that living for Christ is a self-denial situation. We deny self. Uh, Matthew sixteen twenty-four. We deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow the Lord. It's a sacrificial life that we live. It's a life that we folk, wherein we focus on other people. Okay? We are striving uh, to step in the light and to walk as Jesus walked, First John 2 and verse 6, to walk like he walked. So we want to make sure we're on the same page in that regard. Also to never forget that we would not even be able to even think of and speak of walking with the king if it were not for the sacrifice the suffering, the burial, and the resurrection, the, uh, the great ascension of our Lord up on high, His uh, preparation of His disciples, and His rule right now through His Word, His rule at the right hand of God right now. Uh, without all that happening, and we'll be appreciating that more as we gather around the communion table here in a little bit, but we want to make sure we understand that without all that happening, we would not even be able to, to even think of responding and obeying and submitting and walking with Him. And also we, we call to uh, remember, it's Paul's words in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, every scripture is inspired of God and it's profitable. And notice these divisions here. It is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and instruction in righteousness. And I guess our focus will be, even though we understand we, every division of 2 Timothy 3.16 is, is hugely important to our souls, doctrine and reproof and correction. But I suppose that our focus this morning is in that instruction in righteousness. Instruction. Some translations use uh, the idea of training, training in righteousness. So how can we... How can we better walk with the king? Walk with the king. So the suggestions that we make will be along those lines uh, this morning. Let's get started by talking about being a light for the king. First, if we're going to walk with the king, we must shine our lights. 
And the king himself in Matthew 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Paul picks up on this in Ephesians 5 and verse 8 where he said uh, to Christians in Ephesus, You were once darkness, but now you are light. You are children of light. And he was encouraging them to continue to behave as children of light. The particular verse I want to focus on is Philippians 2 and verse 15 in regard to being the light for the king. Uh, Philippians 2, 15, where Paul says that um, we are to be uh, harmless, and blameless, children of God without blemish in this uh, perverse and crooked generation. Among whom, he says, you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. Now, that particular Philippians 2 context gives us some good ideas about shining our lights for Christ. So back up with me and just kind of glance down and read down from uh, beginning in Philippians 2 and verse 12 and come forward just a little bit. If we're going to be a light for Christ, then it must be a personal thing for us. We must take, our, take on a personal responsibility about shining our light. Paul said, that he appreciated the, the brethren there in Philippi for obeying when he's there with them, when he was there with them. But now he said, much more now in my absence, I want you to continue to obey and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so when we think about walking with the king and shining our lights, it, we're not, we, we must focus on what we're doing and, and how we can do this personally, not, not what, what my wife is doing, not what my, my child is doing, uh, not what somebody else should be doing, but rather, what am I doing? So it's a personal thing. And then notice in Philippians 2.13, Paul says, it, God, God is the one who works in you and works through you. So we get, keeping that in mind is, is powerful when we think about shining our light. God wants to work through us. He wants to shine uh, through us. And then notice uh, Philippians 2.14, that as we shine our lights, we must do this without murmuring, without complaining. That will dampen our light like, like nothing else. Okay? Murmuring, complaining. There's nothing real attractive about that. Yes, people create talk shows and people create radio shows uh, by gossiping and murmuring and complaining. But that's not attractive when it comes to Christianity. That's not, that doesn't draw anybody to the cross. And so Paul says, do all things without murmuring. And then he says, you know, verse 15, Philippians 2, 15. He says, we live in a perverse, perverse and crooked uh, generation. So we've got to be able to tell, if we're going to shine our lights, we've got to tell what is right and what is wrong. What is crooked and what is straight. And God's work can help us do that, of course. And then he says in, in, in Philippians 2, 15 and 16, as we shine our lights, let us hold forth the word of life. The word of life. And so all these things are necessary. Take it personally. Remember God's working through you. Do all things without murmuring. Uh, be able to tell right from wrong, crooked from straight. And then as you shine your light, of course, we've got to hold forth the word of life, the Bible, the New Testament, the doctrine of Christ. There are different kinds of light that have been uh, developed throughout history. can help us to ask ourselves, what kind of light am I? People used to uh, use candles, and candles used, uh, were used in the old times, and 
And they were good for what they were doing, but they would flicker and they would blow out. And so is, is my light a flickering light? The light I'm shining for Christ, is it a, is it a flickering light? Okay. Some of the old lights, like the kerosene uh, lights, you know, um, they, were, they were good for their, for their use. But sometimes they would get off, give off an odor. You know. We must be able to shine our lights without uh, giving off an, an odor or... Do we bring baggage with us? Do, do we live for Christ in some ways, but other ways the world is shining through us as well? So we've got to be able to shine our light and shine it uh, brightly. Uh, some of the old kerosene, gasoline um, lanterns, uh, it was important to get the wick uh, together with the fluid. Sometimes the wick would, would fail to meet with the fluid in just the right way, and it would cause the, the globe or the little bowl to get smoky, okay? And so our light needs to shine bright. It doesn't need to be dim. It doesn't need to uh, flicker. It doesn't need to give off an odor. It doesn't need to be smoky. It just needs to shine uh, brightly and brighter and brighter. And today we're so blessed with our, with our light bulbs, and they're able to just uh, power in to a power source and shine brightly. And that's the ideal that... Um, the Lord has for us that we would shine brightly, that his light would shine through us in this perverse, in this dark world. So to walk with the king, we've got to shine the light for the king. In the second place uh, this morning, to, to shine that light, we've got to look for good in people and uh, bring out the best in people. To shine that light, we've got to look for good in people and then uh, bring out the best in people, we were looking last Sunday evening at Barnabas a little bit, and going back to Barnabas in Acts eleven twenty two to twenty four, we see he was a professional at this. He was just so good at bringing out the best in other uh, people. The church in Jerusalem sent him to Antioch to check on the good things going there, and it, he did three things. Notice in Acts eleven twenty two to twenty four, Barnabas did three things. First. First, he saw the grace of God. When he got to Antioch, he saw the grace of God. There's a lot of things to be seeing in this world. There's a lot of things to be thinking about. There's sin is everywhere. Okay. We choose to focus on what we choose to focus on. Barnabas saw the grace of God. What did he say? He, he was seeing the word of God being taught. He was seeing people respond to that. He was seeing people get excited about that. He was seeing people share their faith with other people. He was seeing the church uh, progress and the church grow in faith and in number. He saw the grace of God. Okay. The second thing he did was he rejoiced in it. He was glad in it. He was glad in it. Don't, don't just bypass that. He was glad about it. He was glad about it. But you can tell a lot about a person concerning uh, what makes them happy. You know, what, what makes a person truly happy? What made Barnabas happy was that he saw the grace of God and how it was working in people's lives. And then the third thing uh, that he did, he exhorted them with words. He exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. A good illustration of Barnabas is in Acts 9, uh, 27. He didn't just do this here, but also if you look at Acts 9, 27, following up on the heels of Saul of Tarsus' conversion, we see that 
the disciples in Jerusalem were having a tough time receiving Saul, Paul, as a true disciple. But it says here in Acts 9, 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so when Barnabas did this, then Paul was allowed to go in and out of Jerusalem and preach boldly in the name of Christ and standing up to the Jews that didn't believe and also encouraging the people who did believe. But look what Barnabas did. What if Barnabas had not done this? If Barnabas was able to see the good in Saul, even though Saul had done some very perverse, bad things in his life, able to see the good and bring out the best of him and encourage him And that's what we ought to do. If we're going to walk with the king on a daily basis, we've got to see the good and bring out the best in other people. Going back to Acts 11 and 24, it says, Barnabas was a good man, and he's full of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be good people. That's what good people do. They see the good in others. They look for the good in others and then seek to bring out the best in other people. And we must do that as well couple other thoughts along this line before we leave this point Romans 15 7 says as as Christ has received you so you receive other people to the glory of God We, we must think like God thinks what does God want for other people God wants them to be saved he wants them to become uh Mature Christians, he wants them to be able to shine their light. We, must, we will bring out the best in others when we think like God uh, thinks. And then take just a moment again and think about 1 Corinthians 13 and all the characteristics of love there. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 through 8. And, and without going over all the characteristics, you know, it gets down to the part where it says, Love rejoices in the truth, does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. One writer who was trying to really bring out the ideal behind the language here, he said, here's what love does. Love throws a cloak of silence over what is displeasing in another person. Love throws a cloak or a blanket of silence over what is displeasing in another person. And, and by that, he's simply saying it, it focuses on a person's strengths and not his weaknesses. And that's what love does. That's what love does. Think about Jesus also in John 8, 1 through 11. As they brought the woman caught in adultery in the very act into him, into the temple area where he was teaching. And how that he first focused on, his, on her accusers. And then he said to her, Go and sin no more. He said, where are thine accusers? Does anyone condemn you? And she said, no man, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. To bring out the best in other people, we must show them a pathway of getting back on their, on their path. Show them a pathway of, of being able to do right again in their lives. That's what he was doing with this woman. He was showing her, giving her a pathway, giving her an opportunity to turn from what she was doing and get back right uh, with the Lord. So to walk with the king, we shine our lights. 
make sure it's shining brightly. And then the second place, we look for the good in other people, exploit that, and try to bring out the best in them. The third thing is um, we practice the second mile religion, Matthew 5, 41, 42. We practice second mile religion. Jesus said in Matthew 5, whoever will compel you to go one mile, go with him too. You see, God does not operate in least amounts. God does not operate in least amounts. You see, God is an abundant God. A couple of verses along that line. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that works in you, to him be glory in the church. James 1 verse 5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. Liberally. John 10 verse 10. Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. God doesn't think... In terms of least amounts. We must apply that to us. Uh, to the work that we do. Whatever we work we get into every day. We want to apply this to that. Uh, Paul's statement might help us in Colossians 3 and 23. Colossians 3 23 where he said. Whatever you do. Do it heartily. Do it heartily. As unto Jesus. That's a great rule of life. That's a great rule of life. Everything you do, think of doing it for Jesus because really that's what you're doing. Everything you do, whether you're at work or whether you're doing chores at home, whatever it is you're doing, then do it heartily as unto the Lord. So we apply that to our work. We also apply it to our faith. I remember Paul saying... Uh, He's asking Philemon in the book of Philemon. He's asking Philemon to receive Onesimus back. And then he says to him, along about verses 20, 22 in the book of Philemon, he says, Philemon, I have confidence in your obedience that you will even do more than what I'm asking you to do. Now, how could Paul say that about Philemon? Because he knew Philemon. And Philemon knew the Lord. Philemon was in the habit of practicing, practicing the second mile religion. Okay. And so we need to do that. If we're going to walk with the king, I'm talking about on a daily basis. What, what are we doing on a daily basis? We must, we must get up every morning and say, I'm going to bring out the best in someone. And I'm also going to practice the second mile religion. Some people live in a technical world. A technical world. And I'm not talking about technology. I'm talking about some folks approach their, their religion technically. Okay. In other words, they might say to you, now, 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 look, look, technically, what, what is it I've got to do uh, to be right with God? I mean, I mean, technically, just give me my list so I can mark off my list. and I want to mark off my list so I can go back and do the other things in life I really enjoy. So just technically... You know, give me, give me what I must do. In other words, uh, what's the, what are the least, what's the least amount of things I can do for the Lord and still be okay with Him? All right. Well, to approach life that way is to really just be lost because we've never really understood Christ in the first place. God does not work in least amounts. We do not approach our 
service to Him. We do not approach life. We don't approach worship by saying, okay, what can I, what's the least I can do and still kind of be okay with God? You know, you can have the upper places in, in heaven. I just want to sneak into heaven. You know, that's, that doesn't work. That, that's, not, that's just the same as just not being with the Lord. Okay. Jesus once said in Matthew uh, 12 and verse 30, He that is not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. So we practice the second mile uh, religion. In the fourth place, we're, we're thinking about now, how do I walk with the king on a daily basis? In the fourth place, we have to learn to deal with daily aggravations. To shine our light, to walk with the king, we've got to learn to deal with daily aggravations. We play that game sometimes. Uh, it's called aggravations. Well, I remember the marbles, and you have a certain color of marbles, and you, you roll your dice, and you get your marbles from, from home, from base to home. But along the way, other people can knock you out and send you back home. Or send you back to your base spot. Okay. So it's called aggravation because you can make real progress and all of a sudden you're back where you were. You're like uh, two steps forward and four steps backward. And that's, that's how daily life is sometimes. That's how daily life is sometimes. And it can be sometimes overwhelming, sometimes discouraging. And so as Christians, we must on a daily basis learn to deal with daily aggravations the way God will want us how to do it. Let me... And we make these suggestions. Let's go ahead and accept that there's going to be good and bad. Didn't Job say that to his wife back in his book in chapters 1 and 2? Chapter 2, I guess it would be with his wife. He said, shall I receive good at the hand of the Lord and not evil? Shall I receive good at the hand of the Lord and not evil? Well, Job was dealing with some real tough uh, suffering issues. But even in our little petty things, we, we can remember this, that if we're going to receive good at the hand of the Lord, then in this world in which we live right now, we've got to remember there will be some tough things as well. Okay, so let's remember that. Let's also remember that God is bigger than any aggravation that we may encounter. God is bigger than that. We know that. He's bigger. And so if we can just kind of stop ourselves uh, during the midst of an aggravation and say, look, I serve a big God. He's bigger than this. He will... He will, he will help us. This will come to pass. or this, He'll take this away. Or he has something in mind with this. God is bigger than our daily aggravation. Let's also remember the instruction of not to be angry. There's several. You know, Ephesians 4, 31, put away all anger and wrath. You know, part of being a, a leader in the church, according to the qualifications uh, in 1 Timothy 3, is not to be soon angry. So let us study and meditate and talk to the Lord about how we deal with aggravations because the Lord doesn't want us to be, some, be someone who is just quick to become angry at some of the least uh, things uh, in life. And then another thing when you think about these da- daily aggravations is to compare theirs and ours, theirs and yours. Okay. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11, Paul's... Uh, Words verses 23 to 29, you'll see the things that, that, that he went through. I mean, he went through some beatings, beatings. He was in shipwrecks. He was in the deep, in the ocean, 
bodily in the ocean. Okay. He was in prison often. All right. So if we can just step back and, and think about, okay, what did the early saints suffer? And now I'm getting aggravated at some of the daily aggravations of my own, and it doesn't even compare. Okay. And so uh, we must learn to deal with daily aggravations if we're going to shine our light, if we're going to walk uh, with the king. We had among us for several years on and off, uh, Brother and Sister Maynard. And I watched Brother Maynard a lot. He, he had a couple of phrases he would use when people would try to uh, put him on the spot. Uh, or if he, just, he, if he just saw something that he couldn't figure out at the moment, he would always use the words, uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. And he used that a lot, but I could tell what he was doing. He was using that phrase so that he could recollect himself and make the proper response to whatever situation he was facing. And so that's a good little piece of advice as well. And so to walk with the king, we must learn to deal with daily aggravations. And in the fifth place, to walk with the king, we cannot take ourselves too seriously. In the fifth place... If we're going to walk with the king, we cannot take ourselves too seriously. Someone might say, well, the Bible says to be sober-minded, to be seriously minded. It does. 1 Peter 1, 13 does say that. But the difference in being sober-minded and serious and then being um, foolish, foolish. You see, there's only one who will ever walk this earth and done it in a perfect way, our Lord Jesus Otherwise, we must all acknowledge that we all have weaknesses, we all have perks, we all have some weirdness about us because we, we are sinners. We're all uh, sinners. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 23 and verse 8, um, one is your master and you are all servants. Okay. Uh, he's the only one that will ever be able to claim that particular status. He's the master. He's the teacher and we are the students. And so it helps to just acknowledge that on a daily basis. And that helps us not to take ourselves too seriously. The problem with taking ourselves too seriously is that we become overly sensitive toward other people's faults. And then that creates a barrier between us and them. And that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord doesn't want barriers. He wants us to be able to help uh, people. And so that's, the, that's why we mention this particular idea. Let's always remember that history did not begin with us. Okay? And it will likely not end with us. Okay? Many generations passed to, and many generations, many people have lived, many thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have lived on this earth, and many of them became Christians and walked with the Lord. And they did it long before we were here. There'll be people who will who will do this long after most, you know, who knows when the Lord's going to come again. But if he doesn't come, people will continue to seek out his word and do good works. And the history didn't begin with us. It just didn't. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 says there's nothing new under the sun. That part Solomon got right. And there's nothing new under the sun. And it's not to discourage, but just to, just to uplift in the sense that, that God uses us all in our particular generation, but then, then we move on as well. In the big scheme of things, we are but just a speck on the scale of time. God loves us as, as specks. He loves us. He values what we can do. 
But let's remember that there are other things going on. Even right now as we live, we don't know uh, uh, but uh, just a fraction of what's taking place in the brotherhood. There are Christians all over the world and even throughout our country. I have met faithful Christians from California, from New Jersey, and from Minnesota and Michigan. And they are serving the Lord just as fervently as, as we are down here in the South. And that's not too discouraged. It's just for us to remember that, uh, that we don't need to take ourselves, we don't need to put ourselves in a position of just becoming uh, so, so tightly wound up that we can't really enjoy and be the light that God would have us to be. In the sixth place, we need to do all this with courage. With courage. We're going to walk with the king. We learn to deal with daily frustrations. We, we don't take ourselves too seriously. And then also, we've got to apply the word with courage. There are three types of courage. There's the courage to get started. There's the courage to get back up when we slip and fall. And then there's the courage to try again after we fail. We will fail. We will fail. But there's the courage to start again, to try again. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 40, David went to that brook and picked up how many stones? How many stones? Five? How many Christians? Some says five, doesn't it? Hmm. More than one. I think, I think it was five, wasn't it? In other words, he was ready in case he missed. He was going to try again. He's going to try again. That's the idea. The courage to get back up and to try again. As we said earlier... We can't even think about walking with the king without focusing on his death for us. We're going to extend the Lord's invitation here. We want to take a close, deep look at our own hearts, our lives, the light that we're shining for him. We want to appreciate the cross, the love that just flows out from that scene at Calvary. But also remember that the purpose of that cross is to change us, to change us. Leroy Brownlow tells the story of a father one morning reading the newspaper years ago and in the newspaper, they had a map of the world. And so after he got through reading the newspaper, he tore that part of the paper into different pieces. And his son, who was, who was coming along in school, was at the table. And he said, son, I want you to take these pieces and put the world back together. And in under five minutes, the son had it done. And his father was so impressed so impressed. He said, how did you do that so fast? The son said, well, Dad, on the back of that picture of the world, it's a picture of a man. He said, I just put the man back together and the world became right.
And the Lord wants to work on us one person at a time. One person, one soul at a time. One soul at a time. That's what the cross is all about. One soul at a time. This world can have more light in it, but it's just, it happens one soul at a time. We put, put ourselves, let God put us back together and the world will become more and more right. But it starts with us. So this morning as we contemplate, we think about, focus on the Lord, there's an automatic situation that takes place. We automatically just focus on ourselves. What am, how, am, how do I stand before the Lord? How do I look before Him? How, how does He observe? What does He see? If we can assist you this morning in gospel obedience, putting Jesus on in baptism for forgiveness, or if we can assist you with any particular weakness, if you want prayers or strength, we invite you to come right now as we stand together, as we sing, Brother